the best part of my day, I, I won't flinch in answering that, is from 2.30 to 5.30 every day when I get to be on the field and yeah. get to be around the guys and coach them. I, I love to win. I love to compete, but I also love the relationships with the players. And um, that, that's something you sit there and go, okay, what if, what if tomorrow somebody walked in and said, hey, bip, 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 no more, you're done. Uh, that would be the thing I would miss, yeah. you know, being around yeah. the players and, and getting to coach and, and the, the actual baseball teaching part of it. Clarksville's Conversation, a podcast that brings you interesting conversations with fascinating people from around Clarksville and Montgomery County. Hey, this is Katie Gamble, and I'm here with Charlie Kuhn for another episode of Clarksville's Conversation, where you get to eavesdrop on our conversations with leaders, innovators, movers and shakers, just people making a difference in our community. And I Which one of those am I? We're fixing to find out. Okay. <laughs> you might be all of the above. Maybe so. I'm excited about our guest today. You heard that. Who is our guest, Charlie? Well, I was kind of hoping our listeners would be able to tell by the tone in his voice. Uh, they but, probably did. But... You know, You've heard him on the radio. Before. You know, Katie, here's the thing. Uh, boys, which I used to be one, now I've outgrown that. Hey, it's not a, it's not all boy sport. Grew up oh, okay, thinking, sorry. man, I'd love to play baseball. I want to play pro baseball. I want well, I want to play in college. A lot a lot of different things. So it's really a thrill for me to have Austin P. State University baseball coach Travis Jansen here because we can learn more about baseball in general, but what it's like to mentor uh, young men. And I guess if a lady wanted to play, she could. I don't know much about that part. <laughs> to I mean, a certain age, probably. But, but it's great to have, have Travis here, and uh, I look forward to learning more about him and, and, and what he does. Plus, he's just a lot of fun, huh? That's right. I try yeah. to be. Yeah. Some days, yay. Some days, nay. But I try to be. So we like to kind of kick this off having a little fun, too. And so just to start it, we're going to ask you a question that has probably has nothing to do with baseball, sports, whatever, because Charlie, in honor of that mustache, must ask you a question. That kind of fits with Stashville also. Yes. It, oh, it, it oh, does. Oh, there you go. You know, I was Good. nominated. I didn't think I was about nominated that. by. To be uh, the governor? Well, to be like a, a, a mascot. The, the king of Stashville. But, you but I don't even think that is a position. You couldn't but. do a backflip? So you couldn't no, do it. No. <laughs> can't do a backflip for sure. So I have a question for you. It's really pretty simple. This is an icebreaker. It's what this is, right? Yeah, I mean, even though the ice broke okay. during your introduction, um, you know, I don't know where you are on pop, cul pop culture. Pop or culture. Pulp. Pop culture. I'm better with pop than pop. Yeah, right. So, so what celebrity would you rate as a perfect 10? And your wife, maybe not get too tore up about it. Well, the first one that popped in my head, are we talking about looks? Is that what we're talking about? However, you, however what you... What was that question again? I was right. What celebrity would you rate as a perfect 10? I'm showing my age, but if we're talking about looks, what an awkward first question. Yeah. But if we're talking about looks, I will just keep it at that surface level. Uh, <laughs> next not, to my wife. All right, so my wife... He's a pretty hot wife. My wife is a 10, and, yeah. then, and then right below her... Uh, I'm showing my age, but Elle McPherson, Sports Illustrated oh, model, yeah. oh, uh, yeah. swimsuit model, yeah. first one that popped in my head. How so, old is she now, though? Well, well, I don't know, but but um, she is. She is older. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But so uh, you've seen be, her in a swimsuit? That's on awkward. On a magazine. On a magazine. I know, Katie. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, so let's let's just keep it at that level. And Elle McPherson, right below my wife, Elle McPherson. I've, I've, 
I do you remember her? Yes, I, I do. remember her. I do. You, you and I are about the same age, so I do. Right. So. So let's cool. talk some baseball. Is Charlie in our age bracket? Apparently or no? not. I think I just got think, kicked up. <laughs> <or> not. <laughs> I thought you were younger because you just act so I'm much. I'm older younger. than you, Katie. Oh, that's true. He's older than us. He's older. Okay, let's go. Oh, that's awesome. I forgot, Charlie. <laughs> I just forgot. Let's talk baseball. Oh, yeah. So yes, Governor's ma'am. baseball is in full swing. We are. We are a quarter of the way through the season. If you talk about our team, there's been a couple of things that have happened. Um, one of the first things that, that happened that was kind of significant is we beat B- Vanderbilt two right. or three weeks ago, and that got a lot of pub, and that was a really neat thing for our program. And Did, the boys, of, did that just really pump the boys up quite a bit, too? Oh, it did. Yeah, I imagine. It did. I mean, because Vanderbilt's a, a big deal, and we acknowledge that it's a big deal. They're a great program, and, and Coach Corbin's a good coach, and it was a fun win, you know. So that that was one of the first kind of milestones where our guys, you know, a, a confident builder sort of thing, and and um, so that was the first thing. And then then uh, recently we've gotten off to a good start in conference play. And we're we're six and three in the league, and um, we got the you know the meat of our schedule coming up. So we're off to a good start there, and um, so we we've got we've got some good things going for sure. I, I have a question about the about the Vandy game because that that was obviously a really big win, really big win. But I, my understanding is you had a little different perspective on that game on and even where you were sitting during the end of the game. So what Charlie's talking about is I got thrown out of that game in the um, <laughs> in the uh, top of the ninth, top of, yeah top of the ninth. We were hitting, mm-hmm. and Parker Phillips, one of our best hitters, he was battling, he was battling, he was battling. And then the umpire just – he made a bad call on strike three. You know, and when you're in that environment and you're the smaller team, you kind of feel like you're getting bullied. And so I went out and immediately stuck up for Parker Phillips and ended up getting thrown out. So the big hit that – you know, the base hit that we got from – to tie the game up in the top of the ninth, you know, I didn't see any of it. Then I made friends with the assistant athletic director at Vanderbilt. So I watched the rest of the game from his office, so that was kind of fun. So how about that? That's how that so I got thrown out in the top of the ninth. But. So so I have a, a question about being ejected from a game. To me, there probably could be some strategy in that. Timing seems like it's very important in sports. So when the boys know that you fight for them. It's a slippery slope mm-hmm. because in a moment like that, there was no doubt that I had to go out and fight for Parker. That's the right time, in my opinion, to go argue a call because because if you're but if you get labeled as the guy that complains about everything. Right. Now, all of a sudden, you're the, the, the guy that moans about everything. And then that bleeds into your team. It loses it's, its effect. It does. And, and umpires know that. And, and more than that. And without you know, you, you don't you don't want to have a team full of complainers and they're going to follow your lead. And so I try to pick my points on where it's very obvious to go up and stick up for our players where we were definitely wronged. And um, but we'll play opposing teams where the coaches will complain and moan about every missed call. And then it leaks into their team. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest things we try to talk about is keeping composure and keeping poise and playing with class. We think those things went out in the end. And so if you're a team that complains about every nitpicky call, oh, that's. That's not that's not how we do it. So you mentioned something there that reminds me of something else. You mentioned the word class. Now let's talk about this game in May where each player is going to wear a jersey of a fallen soldier and what the thought behind that was. Because I think that's a really a class act thing to do. 
Well, let's let's give a lot of credit to General Brower. Uh, General Brower has become a friend of mine, and uh, he is since roughly late September or October. It was during football season we met, and um, I'm going to go. I'm going to get around to your question, but mm -hmm. but uh, we organized a, an event with the 160th in early January. We went out um, with the Night Stalkers, and we did a team building thing, and and you know, in my words, kind of became friends with them. You know, they mm -hmm. they helped us with some things and. So we started forming a relationship with the 160th, and then um, that event went so well in early January that, that General Brower said, and then I told him, I said, I do not want this to be a one-way street. I want to reciprocate. I want both parties to get something out of it. And so then General Brower started kicking the idea around, and, and uh, boy, every, you know, all the credit goes to him. And he says, you know, let's, let's, do, let's do this deal where we, we get the fallen soldiers, the Gold Star families, initials and let's stick them on a jersey and and so we're gonna in early may and the date has not been set yet we have meetings with the athletic department to get that set but we're gonna we're gonna you know we're gonna wear these red white and blue usa themed jerseys and it's gonna be a really neat day and, and we're gonna honor the the gold star families and some of the families are gonna come back and it has a chance to be a really special day and so, you know, you use the word class. I don't know if that's class or not, but what it's going to be a great teaching moment. It's character building for sure. I Agreed. think that it's going to be eye-opening to a lot of these young men who, uh, uh, there's going to be lives touched. There's no way around it when you're in a situation like that. Because when you're a 21-year-old male and you see a really cool jersey in your locker, you're going to enjoy wearing that jersey. And you're going to think, man, what a, that's a neat thing. But then, to, then to, to get to the real meaning of it, when you can meet the families of, of who those initials are on that jersey, mm -hmm. that's where it's going to get special. Right. And that's where, where you can actually look at somebody in the eyes of you know, <clears throat> parents of somebody that has lost somebody. It's going to get real, real quick. And so it, it'll be a neat moment for everybody. I think so, too. I want to come to that. And we're going to wear the jerseys, hopefully, if they get in. Uh, you know, we'll wear them more than once. Mm -hmm. And then the, the, the season will culminate or we'll have a ceremony at the end. I think that's pretty special, especially in a military town. I think so. I mm -hmm. think the obvious, you know, there's a couple of things. This town is such a neat town in a lot of ways, and, and Austin Peay's a big part of it, and Fort Campbell's a big part of it. I think the more those two can um, find ways to interact, I think the better off both parties are. So before we get, like, all the way down into youth sports and talk about that, because I know we're going to, let's kind of back that way down. So when you are recruiting, like out of high school, what are some of the characters, traits, talents that you look for in a player to addition to your team? It's probably positions that you might have available and so forth, but what are some of the things that ju jump out at you, and what is something that you see that's like, no, that kid's not for me? You know, that's a really long answer, and I'll try to give you an efficient one, but the, to the, the first layer of it is you're trying to fit together a puzzle. You know, when you're going to recruit, mm -hmm. if you have three third basemen on the team, and really, no matter how good the third baseman is that the game you're watching, if that kid can't move somewhere, then it's hard to recruit that guy because you already have that guy in your, right. on the team. So you're putting, a pe you're putting together a puzzle, so it starts with needs. Uh, I don't think that's really what the question was you were asking. But, so it starts there. You know, what do you look for? And then, um, and then you know, you're basically just trying to find guys that you think will fit within your program. You know, we like hard-nosed guys. We like guys that play hard. One of the things that, that high school players and junior college players miss is they think when a college coach shows up that they have to play really, really good. When the sport of baseball, you can show up 
and it's very easy to show up and see a kid go 0 for 3 and because he didn't get a good pitch to hit and he maybe you know and, and more than that we're just looking to see how he interacts with his teammates how he carries himself uh, very honestly, is the body language of the kid something that I want to put up with for the next four years? Is he a guy that builds people up and brings positive to the table, or is he a Debbie Downer guy? There's a phrase for people well, our age. Well, it's kind of like me hiring an employee, too. Ex- yeah. Do they fit into your environment and your culture? That's what it is. And um, and so um, I think this is a good time to brag on two Clarksville kids. But, you know, we have a kid from Clarksville High School and a kid from Rossview High School. And uh, Rossview won the state championship last year, so we always give Garrett Spain, the kid from Clarksville, I always say, hey, man, you think you'd have been good enough to play for Rossview? That, that, that gets under his skin. <laughs> Especially since That's they're competitive. That's like, right. There are travels Yeah, I try, I try to kick, you know, I'll, I'll say that. You know, mm-hmm. and then Skyler Luna from Clarksville High is going to join our team next year. So, um, so we've got, so, I mean, recruiting good players in this area is absolutely yeah. An important thing, and those kids fit. So where I was going with that is those kids fit our program like a glove. They they have been off to a great start. Now, I remember when you first came here, you and I were having a conversation about recruiting, and one of the things you said that you were going to do was look in your backyard first because this is such a baseball community because um, we were recruiting for from away and there's so many talented people right here in Clarksville and we still recruit away and and so my job is to put together the best team that we can put together and and obviously if there's kids in our backyard and kids that are close by I think it's a neat when you can get those kids because chances are they're going to have ties to this area for a long long time and so if you get kids that are from within a couple hours so it's going to be a lot easier for the future to be really invested in this program. If you if you recruit a kid from California, you know, there's a, there's a chance and we have kids from all over the country and I like diversity. I think that that's good for a team. But if that kid from California doesn't fall in love with a Tennessee girl and doesn't, you know, get married and, and have a reason to stay, there's a chance he goes back to California. So just from an investment and in, into the program long term, it's it's good to get kids from around the area and we try to. I mean, we try to get kids now we we, we want the best available player. I mean, but we do try to get kids from around here. Wow. You know, uh, I'm sure. Let me sure. say one thing, Charlie. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I think what the, you mentioned this town's a good baseball town. It is a good baseball town. And there are some very, very good high school coaches. And I, I know I'm going to leave a bunch of them out. But, you know, you, you, look, at, you look at what's happening at, at Clarksville High and Rossview and Clarksville Academy. And, and some, of those, some of those high school coaches do. And, I'm, and there's others. But some of them do such a good job and they're such – you know, some of those high school coaches, Brian Hetland, Jake Peterson, have college experience. I mean, what an unbelievable thing mm-hmm. for a high school kid to play under somebody at that level that's had college experience. And there's others also, but um, so just a shout out to them for helping make the town a good town. And they have had, all those coaches have had a really good track record of a lot of their kids getting college scholarships yeah. because they teach them so, such detailed fundamentals that you may not learn somewhere else. They do, and, and the way recruiting is going, the high school kids think the summer ball stuff is so important. So, the, you know, Clarksville Orioles, Nashville Knights, uh, Middle Tennessee Outlaws. I mean, that's just three that popped in my head. So some of the high school kids think that those organizations are so important in what they do. And for me, personally, I go to the high school coach first because they get to see the kids walk around the hallway, and they know – how they act on a day-to-day basis. And I think that and if, if any high school kids listen to that, this, um, 
high school coaches are where we go to yeah. first. Mm -hmm. I, I think one of the coolest things you said earlier was when you're out watching a, a baseball game, you're watching the player. You know, every player thinks that they've got to go four for four and make a spectacular play when there's a when there's a recruiter or a coach watching them. But I think the what they can learn from what you said earlier is just be you, be be a good person, be a good player, lift people up, lift your teammates up, because you're not always going to have a spectacular day in any business. So I think there's a lot a lot to learn from that. So where did where did you get your coaching style? Who influenced? How you how you act and treat people and how you coach. You're a byproduct of your mentors and the people you've been around. And and people have asked me that question before. And like, what kind of advice would you give a young coach? And the and the thing would be would be try to surround yourself with as many good people as you can. And um, I was very fortunate. And I think this is where me and you had one of the first connections. But I was very fortunate as a young coach. I started off at University of Arkansas. And I'm not going to go through every place I've been, but for so for three because years, we're right, him and I are Razorback fans. Uh, so for three years, uh, Dave Van Horn called me after we beat Vanderbilt. That was mm -hmm. a neat thing. I bet it was. But but um, so for three years, I was at Arkansas and got to experience everything the SEC has to offer. And then and and I was a I was a low paying guy, but I was a Razorback. And um, and and he you know coach DeBrian, who's a hall of famer said man go try to learn from a bunch of different people and so i've had some great mentors jim case at jacksonville state's one of the best uh mitch gaspard gave me my first uh, real assistant job i hate to say that but first paid assistant job and and he was a head coach at alabama and i have been very fortunate very blessed to be around really good people and you know along with my parents and but um so specifically, though, but Jim Case, Mitch Gaspard, who's a former head coach at Alabama, um, you know, those are some of the mentors that have really helped me. That, that's cool. That's Is that what you're asking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we won't sure. ask you to call the hogs on <clears throat> this podcast. We're not going to do that, Katie. No. We're not going to do that. I won't ask you to. And then he mentioned the A word a while ago, not the Arkansas one, but the other one. Um, that won't. stadium, that Arkansas stadium, is fabulous, isn't it? That baseball stadium. It is beyond fabulous mm -hmm. it's one of the top five it in the country. rivals a lot of uh minor league it doesn't stadiums. rival it's better than it's them. awesome it's better than and that's the interesting thing about the sec is a lot of the kids who go to the sec and you know they play at those places they go to professional baseball they get drafted in the 18th round and go sign to go play on a low level minor league deal it's a downgrade i mean mm -hmm. those kids those, those, yeah. the, the SEC, the money that flows in that league is pretty right. ridiculous. So uh, there seems to be this trend, not just with baseball, with all sports, soccer too, where kids are almost playing the sport year-round and they're only doing one sport. How do you feel about that? Do you think kids should be multi-sport, focus on one? I think that's a, a, a two-pronged answer. I like guys that – I like athletes that play all different type of sports. Mm -hmm. And um, – I like that. I think it makes them. Uh, Garrett Spain. Garrett Spain was a hockey player. He was a hockey player, the kid from Clarksville High School. Uh, he, you know, he split his time between hockey and baseball. And then, and then he's a good example. Once he got to college and was able to dedicate himself just to baseball, he took off. And um, I think baseball in particular, uh, when you play year-round, you risk burnout. Mm -hmm. um, I think you have to look at arm injuries. I think that probably factors into it a little bit. There's more of that now than there used to be. Um, but if, if you're a parent of a, of a 
nine to 14 year old kid and he wants to play different sports, in my opinion, let them, mm -hmm. let, let them. Um, now, if you have a, a kid that, that the other prong of it is, if you have a kid that is just so in tune with baseball and you know in your gut that you're not going to burn him out, the more you practice a skill, you do get better at it. But I think those multi-sport athletes, they catch up with them later on. Don't you think that's, the, that, this is my opinion, but don't you think that's hard at 9 or 10 to tell if they're that in tune with it because they don't know what else is out there yet? I feel that way. Yeah, I, I do You know, so I'll put, I'll put you in the Jansen family. You know, my daughter loves to dance. She loves to dance, and, and she, uh, she dances here at a local studio, and, and she's just so happy here at the studio. And, and she loves it, well, but it takes up all of her time, you mm -hmm. know, and, and that's what she does. And, you know, she plays a little bit of middle school basketball, and she, she plays uh, a little bit of middle school volleyball, and... and um, I guess, where was I going with that? I guess just, you know, but just all of the time and all really gets spent with dancing. And she hasn't really got a chance to dedicate herself to the others. To find and, out if she liked it. And she's happy with it. But um, I, there's times I wonder if, if it could be a little more equal. Well, she might discover that she likes basketball or volleyball just as much yeah. as she does dance. Mm -hmm. And um, But I know dancing puts a smile on her face. So yeah. that's how we go. So. Yeah, I'm the, I'm right there with you on the dance deal. What what do you do with with youth and camps, and what what do you do to connect with the community? Like, well, we have in early June, um, we have a youth camp, and it's very popular. Anywhere from sixty to a hundred kids show up to that. That's the youth camp that we do, and um, we've entertained doing it more than one week. Maybe at Katie's suggestion, I can't remember, but. And I'll it, take it if it's a good suggestion. Well, <laughs> yeah, we're about to find out. Well, and it just had the second week hasn't taken off yet. Uh -huh. And, you know, in early June, that's the time for us to do camps. Well, well parents are, are getting out of school and they get vacation scheduled and there's vacation Bible school and there's all kinds of options in the early summer. But uh, we do an early camp for um, early summer camp in June for the for the young kids. That's a very good deal. Um and, and it's not a babysitting deal. We try to we try to make it fun for them, but we also try to teach them something too. Yeah. I mean, we're not in it to just babysit them. Uh, and in the high school age, we have all kinds of camps. Yeah. My son Aiden, and I think I've told you this story before. Uh, at age seven, went to one of those camps. And of course, at seven, I mean, heck, you don't know if they're ever going to play baseball or not. And I might or might not have used it as a babysitting opportunity. Correct. <laughs> but anyway, that's when the first summer he fell in love with baseball. And it was simply because Coach Lincoln, who was an assistant coach at the time, invested in him. And he felt like he made a friend in Coach Lincoln. And after that, he just yeah. loved it. It was, you know, And that's a lot of what it's about is adults investing in. Yeah. Oh, if you have the wrong camp workers at a baseball mm -hmm. camp. Yeah. It stinks for everybody, right. and so like when we when we hire the players to come in and the assistant coaches, hey, and it is if you're not used to being around young kids all the time, you, you better have your attitude you have ready to roll. Right? Well, you better have 7:45 a.m. You better have you better, be, you better be ready for it. You better be a herd cat. Yep, and um, <laughs> oh yeah, we won't tell that story. Well, you know, but, yeah. you know, but but it it it's really important for these youth because I remember, and I'm a little older than Aiden is. I remember going to college. Older than us. Older than Aiden. You're older than us. Yeah. You're older than us. So anyway. Aiden's 12. So I remember going to Lipscomb to coach Dugan's baseball camp. And, and Lipscomb had You coached it. baseball camp? No, I went to it as oh, a youth I, player. Katie, are you, a listen, are you listening? No. Listen. She's focused on how old I am, yeah. which is 
completely okay. different topic. But I remember, you know, there's a lot of things I remember about my baseball growing up, but that is one thing that really influenced me was going to his camp and, and being able to meet him mm -hmm. and, you know, see how he trained his team and how he coached his team. So I think that's a it's a good chance for Austin P and all coaches to, to influence. Well, the other thing, youth. too, I think that you and your coaches and some of your players – you guys are just out there playing ball every day doing what you do. You don't realize sometimes that these little kids look up to you. You're superstars. You're like, they want your autograph. You're what they want to be someday. You do forget that. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, but the, especially the players, not the coaches. But it, it's really neat to see the young kids. We, we, we try to get into the community and go to elementary schools and go, you know, Dr. Seuss week and there's mm -hmm. different things. and. That that'll wake you up quick. You walk into yeah. it and you see see some see of those kids. It's pretty eyes. neat. That's yeah. a neat thing. And, our, and our, of course, if you're a 20 year old, you enjoy that. Yeah. So that's a neat thing. Which is a neat thing, but you always have to be aware because I mean, somebody's always watching. Somebody's always yeah. watching. So what what is the the I don't, I don't want to say best and worst or easiest or hardest, but the best part of your day, and maybe one of the more, more difficult times of your day of being a coach. The best part of my day, I, I won't flinch in answering that, is from 2.30 to 5.30 every day when I get to be on the field and yeah. get to be around the guys and coach them. I, I love to win. I love to compete, but I also love the relationships with the players. And um, that, that's something you sit there and go, okay, what if, what if tomorrow somebody walked in and said, hey, b -b 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 no more, you're done. Uh, that would be the thing I would miss, yeah. you know, being around yeah. the players and, and getting to coach and, and the, the actual baseball teaching part of it. Uh, the, the I love all parts about the job. Um, my wife would tell you that when we lose, it's 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 hard for me to separate, you know, the the games from coming yeah. home, and that's something that I still have to work on. And I think all coach, if the coaches are telling yeah. the truth, they all have to. It's hard to leave that at, at yeah. the field, um, you know. And there's some things in the morning that can get redundant, yeah. but uh, yeah. no, yeah. It, it, it's it's a very neat profession. I, I want to talk just real quick about about something that that you helped the community with last November. Um, of course, we were all involved. Five Star Radio, you can name your stations. Uh, F and M Bank, Life Point Church, James Corlew Chevrolet. Not necessarily in that order. We were all a big team putting this thing together. But you know, uh, we gave away a thousand turkeys to veterans and active duty, and uh, active duty military and their families and. We needed help. We needed bodies to help that day. And when you have a thousand frozen turkeys on the back of a semi truck, you know, some of us aren't maybe as strong as some of the others. And uh, we, we called Coach Jansen and he immediately said, the baseball team will be there. What do you need us to do? So they spent a big part of a Saturday and came out to James Corlew Chevrolet and helped us get those turkeys ready, put them in a bag and, and hand them to people. So, you know, the, the community involvement uh, and the heart that you that you have for the community, I, I just uh, can't thank you enough for doing that. That really made that day special for a lot of people. That was a cool day. I, you know, I remember sitting in the first meeting. Well, it was a natural fit, number one, because just the way the last couple of years have unfolded, I'm, I'm, I'm really good friends with Mike Burnett and, and really good friends with Jamie Corlew and, and they've become good friends with y'all. And it, it, it's been, it, that was a natural fit that day. But, and then Chris Phillips, you know, Parker Phillips' father, uh, Chris Phillips, um, he called me and said, hey, they're, they're trying to put this thing together. Yeah. And, 
And so I need to make sure to recognize him for helping us get involved. But that was an awesome day. I was the first meeting. I was wondering, hey, are a thousand people even going to show up? Mm. What are, what are we going to do with all these extra turkeys if they don't show up? And when those when those cars started rolling through there, that was a really cool. Yeah. Th- and our players enjoyed it. Our players, their attitude was good, and you know that that was good. Well, when you can see at, in that moment that you're actually making a difference, it's. It's pretty um, confirming where a lot of times when we try to do good in the community, we don't actually get to see the rewards. Mm -hmm. So, but you from the very beginning, because I remember when you first moved here, how long have you been here now? Five years? Four Four years? Uh, That's just talking about different people that you wanted to meet and get out in the community. So that's always been a big focus of yours is getting out, not just living in this community, but being a part of it. It sounds cheesy to say that on a on a uh, avenue like this, a podcast, but that's genuine. I mean, we want to get out and we want to try to help, and 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 where it becomes very helpful for us, and and we have a couple of people in our athletic department to help us with it. We need people to present opportunities to us mm-hmm. because you know I you know our time is somewhat limited, and and we can't. I mean, we can kind of keep our ears open and look for ways to come help, but when people bring opportunities to us. It's very obvious to say yes or no, that fits or it doesn't fit. And um, our guys, yeah, I really, it's important to me because I want Austin P to be seen in the community in a very, very good light. Of course, I want our baseball program to be seen in a good light. And then, and then thirdly, at 21 and 20, 21 years old, they don't totally appreciate it yet, but they'll look back on it with good memories, and it helps them. It, it helps them when they can see. Anytime they can put themselves in an environment where they're helping somebody, that'll pay off in the long run. So can we talk about something controversial real quick? Maybe. I'll say yes or no. That's Shoot, okay if you go. say no. Let's talk. You brought this up earlier about this uh, basketball tournament, this coach, Michigan coach, yelling at his players, and there's people on both sides of it, this and that. I know how I feel about it. I, I feel like that as parents, we need to step back and let someone else teach our kids. You can't protect them from life. What are your thoughts on all that? So, so what happened? You know, the Michigan State coach in the first round of the basketball tournament. Uh, it was a pretty visual display, but he really uh, was was getting on to one of his players um, for not doing what he was asked to do on the court, and and it was a very uh, right, you know, right in front of the the whole arena, so to speak. And so he caught a lot of flack for maybe being so demonstrative or coaching him so hard or whatever phrase you want to use. So that that's how the situation unfolded. And then it became this issue of, okay, is it okay to hold a guy accountable in that way? Or is it, are we just not supposed to do that and not coach him? And, and um, I'm always on the side of, of holding players accountable, especially when it comes to effort and attitude, especially when it comes down to things that can translate to them as they get older. And um, that, you know, Scott Van Pelt did a thing on ESPN. It's all over Twitter. And that was an awesome piece. And um, and he said that it's interesting because you showed it to me a while ago that the Michigan team didn't care and neither did the player that was getting yelled at because they knew the heart behind the reasoning for it. They knew he cared about them. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. Hey, hey, in sports, emotions can run high. And for the coaches and the players and, and the parents in the stands yeah you're right about that and, <laughs> that's um, my segue yeah <laughs> at any rate so but uh at I, any rate I, I think a coach always sh- should be able to hold their players accountable and, and as long as it's out of caring and out of love and you're doing it in a way to help make them better and not out of embarrassment or trying to, de- to demean somebody but 
if uh, if if you don't hold if you're not don't do your job, there's somebody that's going to hold you accountable. If if I don't do my job, I've got somebody that's going to hold me accountable. Mm -hmm. And um, I think a little bit, I think a little bit that that you know parents are missing that now. Well, speaking as a parent whose son sons play baseball. And I'm a little different. I, I might yell at them, but I don't. I feel like that they are learning life lessons by someone else holding them accountable and that they're training them for a successful job someday and listening to somebody. And um, so I like to kind of stay out of it and let somebody else. But I know all parents aren't that way. So if you could give any parents any advice right now in youth sports, what would you say to them? Find an instructor, a teacher, a coach that has a very good reputation and that you know has an internal compass or an internal thing that they're very good and they, and they have good morals and they look out for kids. They have the kids' interest and best heart. Find those people and then the best you can, you know, step away and, and let them try to help them grow up and, and help them coach, you know, let them coach their kids. And, um, and, and there is a time that you should stick up for your children. There is a time, uh, you know, that, that, you know, you can, but, but good gracious, they, the, the kids need to hear other voices besides mom and dad's. I agree. And, um, and the reason the thing has gotten so out of whack is because parents pay all kinds of money for hitting lessons and pitching lessons. And, and so it's become a very um, specified or a, a specific type of training and you pay all this money and then when the so when the parents feel like they have to pay all this money for lessons and travel ball and all of this all of a sudden they've got some skin in the game and they feel like it's a, it's an investment almost and so the, the parents have a hard time letting go it's it's the youth youth baseball is not in a good place right now in my opinion um what do we need to do to change that kind of what i said a couple minutes ago just mm -hmm. Try, trying to figure out a way for the parents to step back a little bit. And, um, and um, that that's, that'd be my advice. I think mm -hmm. parents sometimes, me included, me included, but I think all parents sometimes they have these aspirations that if my seven-year-old Turner, if he keeps doing this, this, and this, he's gonna get drafted in whatever round. And um, I think sometimes, you know, you need to focus more on the lessons of you know, how it can prepare them for life and just not more than just baseball. Yeah. Well, I think that disappointment is a good life lesson, too, for kids. I think sometimes a little humility and not making a team or not getting the position you want, I think that's good because that's going to make you decide how bad you really want it. Are you going to work for it or not? I think, you know, you know one of the things that, that I have a stance on, and, and you, you could disagree with this, but it's okay for your kids to fail. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a... I'm not, I am far from a master parent, but I do think I think it is an OK thing for your kids to fail and, and, and struggle and, and not things go your way all the time, because that's what's going to happen. And then when that happens, then how do you try to yep. bounce back and how do you come back from it? You know, I I've told Avery, I mentioned my daughter's dancing earlier. I've told Avery before, you know, if you mess up on a dance, I'm not going to be disappointed. Yeah. Now, if you don't react the right way to that mess yeah. up and you pout or you don't try to you know if you if you turn it into a big huge thing a big dramatic thing then that's 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 how that prepares them you know when yeah. they stumble and and heck in my own life i, I need to remember that too because there's times that things are rough for me and 
you know, you, you got you to gotta keep going when they're rough. We all do. Yeah. yeah. Every now and yep. then we all need to step back and have a little bit of attitude adjustment. But we are able as adults to do that because we had disappointments growing up. So you train yourself on how to deal with it. So. I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So before we leave, I have a, a request okay. from the coach. Uh, I think it was last year. Are you going to ask him to yell, let's go pee? No, 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 okay. no, no. This is really about you, Katie. Oh, good night. Um, so I think it was last year <laughs> that Aiden got to throw out it, first No, it pitch. was when he was 10. He was 10. Okay. So He's, it was like, he'll be 13 next oh, Wednesday. Oh, sorry. So time flies when you're having fun. Was I here? Or the, no. Okay. Before. So, so he got to throw out the first you pitch. You were in town. You were here. You were in Clarkson. It was in 2010. Okay. Mm-hmm. But he got to throw out the first pitch. No, at, no, no. He was 10. Yeah, he was St. Louis yeah. game. Yes, yes. Oh, at the right. St. Louis game. Oh, I thought we were talking about an yeah, Austin P game. Well, she didn't let yes. me, she yeah. didn't let me get my statement yeah, out, which is you know. My husband says I do that all the time. I'm sorry. Oh, I forgive you. We've okay. we've got I've got that. I'm sorry. I'm we're recording that, so okay. I'll use that later. But anyway, so he's had a great experience. Did he did he throw one out at Austin P game? No. Okay. Well, I was kind of hoping that Katie could throw out a pitch at the Austin P game. I would love to see that. <laughs> Charlie's not seen me. So, is coach. there any chance that we could even <laughs> consider that as an option? I would throw out my arm. I couldn't even get. It. I couldn't get over. The I think plate. the thing on that is Katie Gamble has to want to throw out the first pitch because a lot of people go out there and go, "Oh, that'd be fun," and then uh-huh. they get up there and they get kind of yippy and they skip it in the grass I, or something like that. I think she would do anything. For, to support Austin Peay State University and Austin Peay baseball. I don't here, but so, I don't know why how that would be supporting. It would probably embarrass him. Should we well, put like a big, big uh, beaver head on her and and uh, <laughs> have some sort of radio station? See, deal? now you're thinking. Yeah. Now, see, now, that's yes. great minds. So, but I think it would be great to see you throw out the first pitch. We'll see, we'll talk about this off. Well, if in that segue, I'll tell you the first way I cross paths with you is your wife. I saw her yeah. sing she at the church. Sing. Yeah. Good mm-hmm. gracious. So I so I went into recruiting mode and I said, you know, it's kind of nice to have people sing the national anthem instead mm-hmm. of somebody always pressing play on the yeah. computer. Right. And so I recruited your wife and she sang for us probably four or five times. Yeah. And um, I think that's the first way I met you. And yeah, it is. It, is, it makes me so happy when she's yeah. there. She's, she's a beautiful got singer. a beautiful voice. That is the and right word. And she loves doing it. And she she loves and, and, you know, being at a baseball game, I mean, it's just one, it's great it's to be cool. at a baseball game, but to yeah. see your spouse or somebody participate like I that. I remember watching her sing in, in church, and I remember looking at my wife, and I was blown away. Did you know she's, she awesome. may, she's going to be on the worship team at church now, too? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She needs to when be. When's she starting, Charlie? Not no, soon be, enough. She's, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, she's in the, she's the, in the process. Yeah. She's yeah. in the process. She's, so. she's perfect for that. Sure, that's good. So, But yeah. I appreciate you giving her that opportunity because she's not out looking to do it. But I know every time she well, leaves, you notice, it. well, I've Charlie, tried to recruit her once this year, and I've been turned down once. But he so we got to volunteer me to sing the national anthem for you. Oh, all right. Well, I was baby steps. Okay. Probably, probably a reason. No, that's <laughs> baby exactly steps. Right. That's exactly right. Do you have any words of wisdom for us before you leave? I don't. Well, I, I, unless you've got a topic, <laughs> but I well, doubt it would be wise. Um, uh, my hope for you is that you win a lot more games the rest of the season, and I can't come, wait to come out yep. and watch you. Get people to come out and see us. Mm-hmm. Katie Gamble, Clarksville Now, yeah. radio stations. Let's get people out there somehow. Let's do that. Let's talk about that off. We, we need to do that. Well, Y'all, thank you. thank you. Thank you for letting me do well, this. Well, I'm looking forward to you coming back, talking to us after you win the OVC championship. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> that was great. I'm about, putting it in the universe. About June the 10th. Yep. Yeah. Put so, in the universe. But but good thank luck. you. Clarksville's Conversation. 
Subscribe now on your favorite podcasting app so you don't miss a single conversation. 